We turn this morning to probably one of the most familiar stories in all the scripture. Uh, Daniel in the lion's den, chapter 6 of Daniel. I want to start reading at verse 19 and read through verse 23. Daniel chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. Then the king arose at dawn at the break of day and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the song that we just sung, that you are our salvation. Lord, you are the only hope on which we stand today. And that was certainly the case with Daniel as he was faced with that uh, situation in his life to either worship or pray to the king or to pray to you. Lord, you were faithful to him. Thank you that you are indeed a faithful God. And we ask that you would take now these words that you have given uh, by the inspiration of your spirit and apply them to our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Every now and then you will hear someone say, you got to believe. And every time I hear that, my pastor's mind kicks in and I start thinking theology. And I ask myself the question, believe in what? Or believe in whom? If you're going to tell me that I got to believe, you need to tell me what it is you want me to believe in or who it is you want me to believe in. After all, the most important thing about our faith is not the amount of our faith or the sincerity of our faith. What is the most important thing? It is the object of our faith. In whom are we putting our trust? There's no question who Daniel put his trust in. Even the king knew that, King Darius. In verse 20, he called Daniel a servant of the living God. In verse 26, he says this about God. He is the living God, enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. So this is where we need to put our trust. We need to trust the living God, the one who rules over the kingdoms of the earth, the one whose dominion will be forever. That's the God that Daniel put his trust in. Our text tells us three things about faith in the living God. And perhaps the first one lesson we learn maybe will surprise you. I don't know. Faith in the living God can get you into trouble. (laughs) 
Now that's probably not the most positive message in the world, right? Put your trust in Jesus and trouble is going to come. But that's the reality, isn't it? When we trust in the living God, it can get us into trouble. And Daniel discovered that. It's clear that Daniel was a man of faith because his faith was evident in the way that he lived. Daniel was the kind of man that I think every king would have wanted as a leader in his kingdom because he was a man that could be trusted. Our text gives us the impression that there was perhaps some corruption in the Persian kingdom that needed to be cleaned up. And Daniel must have been one of those few men that the king could count on to help lead his kingdom. Look at verse 1. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one. And notice the reason, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. So Daniel was one of just three men in the kingdom who were in charge of this cleanup effort. And it didn't take very long for Daniel to stand out among these three commissioners. Verse 3 says he began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Now, Daniel reminds me a little bit of Joseph, doesn't he? He was placed in a position of leadership in a nation not his own. He was a wonderful witness. He also had an extraordinary spirit that the king couldn't help but notice. Here was this man, Daniel, trustworthy. He's the kind of man we need to be involved in this kingdom. If you understand what the Bible says about our sinful human nature, you won't be surprised to see what happened to Daniel. Verse 4, Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. seems to me that they were jealous of the king's growing appreciation for Daniel, and they were out to get him. Can we find something in his government work that would cause him to be removed from his position? But notice what happened when they began to search for a way that they could find some wrongdoing. Verse 4, it says, They could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. One author says his colleagues and enemies had done a security check on Daniel and had scoured government files but came up with nothing. And consider this. Now, Daniel had been in Babylon and now the Persians took over. He had been in there for decade after decade after decade after decade. And they were searching for all the records. Could they find something in this man's life whereby they could accuse him? And they couldn't. And so, what they do, verse 5, Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. In other words, what are they saying? 
The only way we're going to be able to take Daniel down is if he is forced to disobey the king's command for the sake of his religious convictions. We are going to have to establish a law that goes against Daniel's convictions. That is the only way we'll get him. We've got to use the legal system against him. So you know their plan. Verse 6, they came by agreement and said, all the commissioners of the kingdom, everybody agrees that this is what should be done, that no one should pray to any god except you, O king. Sign it into law. The laws, the Medes and Persians cannot be altered. Just sign it, king. And then we'll have Daniel just where we want him to be. Interesting how people says everybody agrees with this king, right? Did they really? <laughs> but it's much better put a little pressure on to say, you know, we all agree on this, that everybody thinks this is the right thing to do. And then they also appealed to the pride of the king to make a law that no one could pray to any other God except to him, the king. They attempted to flatter him. And flattery often works, doesn't it? It worked with the king. Verse 9, Therefore King Darius signed the document. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, it, it should, because these kinds of things are happening today. The legal system is being used against us. Christians are being sued for their religious convictions. And I could give you many examples of that. Let's just make a law that is against the convictions of Bible-believing Christians, and we'll get them. And it's happening all over our country. I wish I could say to you that this is going to stop. I think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get worse. That the legal system is going to be used against believers more and more which illustrates the point that a living faith in Jesus can get you into trouble because when we stand for the truth of God's Word, we are standing against the flow of culture. And we might pay a price if we're willing to take our stand like Daniel did. So don't be surprised if it costs you something to follow Jesus. Jesus made that clear, didn't He? Take up your cross. And follow me. There indeed may be a cost. So faith in the living God can get you into trouble. Secondly, faith in the living God can sustain you in trouble. There's the encouragement. Faith in the living God can sustain you in, in trouble. It would have been very easy for Daniel to compromise in a situation like this. The law was signed and... He knew what the result would be, thrown into the lion's den, and he could have come up with all kinds of reasons why he should just kind of go along with that for 30 days. He could have said, this could have an impact on my promotion. The king was planning to set him over the whole kingdom. He could have said, it won't look good if, if the leaders don't follow the king. I mean, after all, we're right under him, and if we don't follow him, that won't look good. He could have said, I could end up dying if I don't obey this law. And then my influence for the Lord in this kingdom would, would be over. 
He could have said it's just 30 days. I can live with 30 days. Or he could have simply prayed in secret. Prayed when nobody knew, nobody noticed. No one would know that he wasn't obeying the decree of the king. But notice Daniel did none of these things. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. With Daniel, there was no room for compromise. No room for compromise. As we look at his prayer, we, we see several ways in which his faith in the living God sustained him. Notice how Daniel's faith was, was a bold faith. Although he knew the document was signed, he didn't cower in the corner of the room, windows open, openly praying to God as he had done before. He knew that he wasn't just facing a, a minor religious inconvenience for 30 days. His response to this decree went to, think about it, the very core of his relationship with God. He was forced to answer the question of what really matters most. Was it the worship of the living God? Or was it his own personal safety? Now, that can be a, a tough choice, right? What am I going to do? Am I going to continue worshiping God? Or am I going to say, no, I want, to, I want to avoid penalty. I want to avoid being thrown into the lion's den. He boldly chose to worship God. I never realized this before until just this week. Daniel's faith was also a selfless faith. If you look at Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8, you will notice why Daniel prayed with his windows open toward Jerusalem. You know why? Here's what Solomon says. If they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who have taken them captive and pray to you toward their land which you have given to their fathers the city which you've chosen, and the house which I build for your name, then hear their prayer and their supplication in heaven, your dwelling place, and maintain their cause. Forgive your people who have sinned against you. So when Daniel was praying, he wasn't just praying for his own needs. He wasn't just saying, okay, Lord, help me. Look at the situation. I'm trying to stand for you based on the word of God, based on what Solomon said. Why, why were his windows open toward Jerusalem? Who was he praying for all the time? His people, they were captives in that land. And God was saying, have mercy on our people. That's why he was praying there. It wasn't just, Lord, help me so I don't get thrown in the lion's den. There was concern for his people. His faith was a submissive faith. The posture of his prayer, kneeling on his knees, wasn't just an empty gesture. It was an outward sign of an inward attitude of humility and submission. On his knees before God. 
I believe we need to see his attitude here similar to that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember? Thrown into a fiery furnace, right? That threat. Remember what they said? They said to the king, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But even if He does not, even if He does not, let it be known to you, O King, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So when Daniel kneeled before God, submitting to the will of God, he was saying, O God, if you deliver me from this lion's den, great. But if not... If not, I will not pray to any other God but to you alone, regardless of the cost. That's the mission to the will of God. And how about a consistent faith? Did you notice the last phrase of verse 10? This was a consistent part of his daily life. He kept praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So this wasn't just, uh oh, I'm in trouble. I got to pray, right? There's a lot of people like that. Things are going fine. They can handle life on their own, you know. But as soon as trouble comes, oh boy, I better get down on my knees. My dad used to call them foxhole Christians. Have you heard that term used before? When you're in the war and you're in battle and all of a sudden you realize, oh no, I need God. And you get down on your knees and never prayed before, but only when you're in trouble. That wasn't Daniel. He had an ongoing, consistent relationship with God. And when the time of trouble came, <laughs> he continued to do what he always did. That consistent relationship with the Lord. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? You guys need to watch and pray. Why? Because you're going to be tempted. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what did they do with Jesus' challenge to pray? Oh, they were so tired, right? Came back three times and they were crying, they were sleeping. And what happened? When the time came, they denied. They knew him and they left him. For Daniel, this was not a foxhole prayer. This was an ongoing, consistent relationship. And when the tough time came, he just continued to do what he, what he always did. The third thing we notice, faith in the living God can see good come out of trouble. Do you believe good can come out of trouble? Scripture is filled with examples of that, isn't it? When the decree of the king was signed, Daniel's co-workers felt like we got him right where we want him. His commitment to God was so obvious, they knew that he would continue to pray. And sure enough, when they came to Daniel's house, verse 11 says they found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. So all they had to do now is, let's go tell the king. We caught him. We got him. Finally, we found some way that we can take Daniel down. And all they had to do now was tell the king and, and Daniel would be supper for the lions that night. And their jealousy, their hatred of this godly man would, would be satisfied. 
So when they went to tell the king, they made it appear as if Daniel had a personal problem with the king. Verse 11 says they found Daniel making petition before God. And then they went to the king in verse 13 and they said that Daniel pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction you signed. As if to say, King, this is a personal issue that he has with you. (laughs) He's got a problem with you, King. Your authority over him. That's the issue. Well, Darius knew it wasn't a personal thing that Daniel had against him. And he tried all day to rescue Daniel from the lion's den. But the law had been signed and the law of Medes and Persians could not be changed. And so reluctantly... The king put Daniel in the lion's den. But in the midst of it all, Daniel saw some good come out of his trouble. For one thing, through his trouble, Daniel saw that God was faithful. His only hope was in God. And what's interesting, ironically, Daniel was reminded of this by the king, by Darius. Look at verse 16. Then the king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, think of this is a pagan king saying to Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. (laughs) Don't worry, Daniel. I know who your God is. He's the living God. You don't have to worry. He'll deliver you. Wow. Interesting how the Lord uses even unsaved people to to minister to us. So even though the king tried to deliver Daniel, wanted to deliver Daniel, in this case he was helpless. There was nothing that he could do. Only God could help Daniel at this time. And that's a good reminder for us too. If you put your trust in any king, any president, any governor, any person you are going to be disappointed. Our only certain hope is in Jesus. And that is one of the important lessons we often learn in times of trouble, don't we? Psalm 146 puts it this way, Do not trust in princes, in mortal man in whom there is no salvation, His spirit departs. He returns to the earth. And that very day his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That's where our hope is. It's not found in any man, any king, any president, any pastor, any anybody. It's found in the Lord. And Daniel discovered that, didn't he? God was faithful in the midst of of that. It's interesting, when the king went to bed that night, he was fasting. Concerned about Daniel. What's also interesting, the lions were fasting that night too, right? (laughs) Thrown into this pit of hungry lions and they weren't hungry. Because God said, you're not going to touch my servant. I'm going to care for Daniel and the lions. They didn't eat. But when the ones who accused Daniel were thrown in, they were really hungry. 
Before those bodies hit the ground, those lions had them in in their mouths. Verse 23 says, The king was very pleased, gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So in the midst of a difficult situation, God was able to take care of him. That's our God. The second good thing that came out of this trouble is that God's power was made known throughout that whole kingdom. And that's the, that's the, the principle we see all throughout these first six chapters of Daniel. How through the, the trials and troubles that Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego faced, what happened? God's name was lifted up. God's name was glorified. Chapter 2, when Daniel interpreted the king's dream. Chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire. Chapter 4, when Daniel interpreted another dream. Chapter 5, with the handwriting on the wall. And now here in chapter 6, over and over again, what happened? God was glorified. God was given honor and praise. Through the challenges that these young people faced, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Do you think God had a purpose for sending them to Babylon? Oh, you bet He did. God sent them so that they would make known through their lives, their trust in God, who God is. His power, His glory, His majesty. Could it be that God has placed us in this place for a time such as this? Born at this time in history... (laughs) With all its challenges, with all its sin in this world, could it be that we are here for such a time as this? I would say absolutely yes. (laughs) Because God places us at the time and the place in history where He wants to work through us that He might display His glory and majesty to a dying world. Will it be easy? I think you know the answer to that. We can't expect it will be easy. But the God who helped Daniel, is he alive today? Can he meet your need today? Can he work through you today? What's the answer to that? Say it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We can trust the living God. And He's the only one we can ultimately trust because He is able to do even beyond what we would ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for who You are. Thank You, Lord, for what You did in the lives of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, how You displayed Your glory through them. God, would you do that through us? Help us to trust you. Help us to rest in your care, O God. And do your work in us and through us, Lord, for the glory and the praise of your name. For it is in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen.